Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Two passages of Scripture, they're both in the book of Hebrews. And we will read from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. And we will read also Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through to 15, both from the New King James Version. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Here we go. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through to 15. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. The aim of today's teaching is to encourage us in our faith, and strengthen us in our resolve in obtaining what was promised to us from God our Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to stop right here and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to just do that, to encourage us in our faith, to strengthen us in our resolve in order to obtain what was promised to us from God our Father through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and today's lesson. Thank you that you desire to encourage our faith, to strengthen our resolve in your promises until we obtain, until we experience and walk in the fullness and the manifestation of your promises. We thank you for these wonderful promises that you have given. And so here we are. We open our hearts and our minds to receive your word today in the power of the Spirit. And we trust that we will be encouraged in our faith. We will be strengthened in our resolve not to give up, not to stagger in our faith, but to continue to believe until final victory. And so we thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit teaching us, guiding us, and helping us to see truth tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Right, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says that God has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, so that by these promises we become partakers of God's divine nature, 
and thus we escape the corruption that exists in the world we live in. God gave us these promises so that we can rise above the corruption that exists in the world. Anything that corrupts, anything that destroys, anything that kills, God desires through these exceedingly great promises to enable us to escape the corruption that the present world goes through today. But in order to partake of his divine nature that is full of life, we need to exercise our faith in these exceedingly great and precious promises. We need to contend for them, as the Bible says, in order to make them ours. And the reason why we need to contend for them is because we have an adversary that opposes us. He will resist. That, of course, you know, is the devil himself. He will resist and he will oppose us every step of the way. And it is for this reason that we need to fight the good fight of faith until we walk in the blessing of these promises. God has given us promises that covers every sphere and every area of our lives. There is no aspect or sphere of our lives that is not covered by the promises of God. He gave us the promise of divine health, the promise of divine protection, the promise of a blessed marriage, the promise of godly children, the promise of financial freedom, and so many more promises. As I said, there is a promise to cover every need and every aspect of our daily lives. So it is for this reason that the Spirit of God impressed upon me today to take you on a journey in the Scriptures and show you how men and women of God stood in faith. They stood firm. They stood unyielding. They stood uh, uh, unyielding to contradictions, unyielding to opposition, and even denial until they received from God what was promised to them. They refused to let go. They refused to be denied. And they stood firm in the faith, no matter how long it took, until they obtained what God promised to them. I woke up on Friday morning with these words ringing in my ears over and over again. This is what I heard. I kept hearing. The longer he waited, the stronger he became. The longer he waited, the stronger he became. And these words were repeated over and over again until I understood the Holy Spirit was endeavoring to communicate a message that I needed to pay attention to. And of course, the Holy Spirit was referring to Abraham's faith. The longer Abraham waited for the promise to be fulfilled, the stronger he became in his faith. And remember, Abraham was not a perfect man. He lied to the king. When the king asked him about his wife, he said, it was my sister. He wrongly listened to his wife 
who encouraged him to sleep with the maid, with the servant, to produce a child. He was not perfect by any means. What justified Abraham was not his works, but his faith in God's promise. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as being righteous. Abraham became righteous in God's sight because he believed, not because he was perfect. And over the years that Abraham walked with God, somehow he developed an unwavering and enduring faith. And that's what I want to talk to you today about the faith that endures. The longer Abraham waited for the promise to be fulfilled, the stronger he became in his resolve and in his faith in God's promise. As I was studying and meditating on this subject, the Holy Spirit showed me that genuine faith does not grow weaker in the passing of time, but it gets stronger. The Bible says that we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength and not from strength to weakness or from faith to doubt or unbelief. If our faith grows weaker in the passing of time, when we don't see any physical manifestation or results, then what we have is not Bible faith, but rather natural faith. There are two kinds of faith. One is born from our physical senses, and the other one is born from the Word of God. You see, natural faith, everybody has natural faith, because it's born from our physical senses. In other words, we believe something because we see it. We believe something because we feel it. But Bible faith is of the Spirit. In other words, we believe without seeing. Natural faith demands that we see first before we believe. But Bible faith believes without ever seeing or feeling. A good illustration of this is Thomas's faith. Remember Thomas? He was one of the twelve. Thomas' faith demanded to see first before he believed. In fact, he said to the disciples, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, I will not believe. And unless I thrust my hand in his wounds, I will not believe. You see, this is natural faith. And everyone has that kind of faith. But Jesus did not commend him for that. In fact, he rebuked him. He said, Thomas, the blessed people are those who have not seen, yet have believed. But Abraham's faith believed in the promise that God gave him without seeing by calling those things which be not as though they were. The Bible says that Abraham did not consider his own body, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, which was dead. Imagine, for years, 
every single day he stared at his own body, the deadness of his own. Remember, he was 90 years of age. He looked at the deadness of his wife's uh, womb, the Bible says, but he was not moved by what he constantly saw. Why? Because he considered the promise of God greater than what he saw and what he felt in his body. That is Bible faith. Believing without seeing, believing without feeling, simply believing and trusting the word of God, that God is true, that God is faithful, and what he said will come to pass. The Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. Now, to stagger means to fall back. It means to grow weaker. Instead, Abraham's faith grew stronger. That is Bible faith. The longer he waited for the promise to materialize, the stronger he became in his resolve and his confidence in God's promise. And this is what I call, or what the Bible calls rather, enduring faith. That's the title of my message today. Enduring faith. Faith that grows stronger with the passing of time. Enduring faith, the definition in the dictionary says, it is the faith that gets through the trials of life, without ever compromising and without ever wavering. That's called enduring faith. And I believe that if we keep feeding our faith with the Word of God, if we keep exercising it daily, even in the little things, we will get to the place where we possess this enduring faith that refuses to be denied until it receives what was promised from God. The Bible teaches us that Abraham, Joseph, David, they grew stronger in the faith with the passing of time until they received what was promised. You see, their faith was perfected, or in other words, it was matured. Faith and patience, the Bible says, is developed through many trials and many tests. And these men of God endured contradiction. They faced opposition, persecution, but they refused to be denied until they received the promise. An excellent, an excellent example of persistence and endurance through opposition is found in the Gospel of Matthew by a woman who was not even entitled to receive anything from God because she was not a Jew, she was a Gentile. And we're going to read her account, her testimony, and what Jesus and how Jesus responded to this woman's faith. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to read verse 22 through to 28. Matthew 15, 22 to 28. And behold, a woman of Canaan, 
came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Please pay careful attention to how this woman responded to such contradiction and such opposition. First of all, she was ignored. The Bible says that Jesus didn't even answer her a word. She cried, Lord, have mercy on me. Scripture says he answered her not a word. In other words, she was ignored. Have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and not a word? Nothing seems to be happening as though God did not listen to you. He did not hear your prayer. You know, I've been there sometimes. Then, after she was ignored, she was opposed. The disciples came to Jesus and said to him, send her away. They got tired of hearing her cries. She must have followed him for Followed them for a long distance, crying out, Lord, have mercy upon me. Lord, have mercy upon me. And the disciples got tired. They came to the Lord and said, Lord, if you're not going to heal her, just heal her. Don't just send her away. <laughs> have you ever been resisted by people who profess to know the will of God? Have you ever been told that God does not heal today? Or sometimes he does? And sometimes he doesn't. You never know what God will do. And many believers, I tell you the truth, have yielded to such suggestions. Perhaps the enemy put images into your mind, presented to you by people who believed, but eventually died without ever seeing the manifestation of the healing. All of these things will come against your faith, and you better be forewarned. Just like the woman in the Bible faced such opposition. But the worst of them all is when she heard Jesus call her a dog, and that she was not entitled to receive anything from God because she was a Gentile. And in those days, the Jews called the Gentiles dogs, unbelievers, and had no right to the covenants of God. But listen to how she responded to the Lord's denial 
to heal her daughter and even calling her a dog. She said, yes, Lord, I may be a dog, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. We see this woman's faith. We see this woman's resolve. Refuse to be offended at the words of Jesus. She refused to be denied. I will not be denied until I got what I come from. Until she got what she came for. She believed that even a crumb could heal her child. Listen, that's why I want to encourage you to, I don't know where you are, what trial you're facing, what you believe in God for, what promise you're standing on. Hear the word of the Lord today. Maybe your doctor told you there's no hope. Maybe he told you there's no cure for your kind of disease. Maybe he even shows you the x-rays and says there's nothing more that we can do about this or we can do for you. Take a lesson from this woman's faith and refuse to believe such reports because there is a healer and his name is Jesus and the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Look how the Lord responded to such resolve, to such faith from this woman. She wasn't even an Israelite. She was a Gentile. And the Lord marveled at this woman's unwavering, persevering, and enduring faith and responded with these words. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And the Bible says, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. What a faith. Imagine the Lord saying to you, O woman, O man, great is your faith. Let it be to you what you desire. Family of God, such faith that we see in this woman cannot be denied by the Lord but be richly rewarded because it refuses to be denied and it refuses to move away and waver at the promise of God. Refuses to stagger through unbelief, but grow strong in faith, giving glory to God. A faith that refuses to be offended at God as a result of delay and refuses to give up under any circumstances. Such enduring faith is richly rewarded by our Heavenly Father. Why do I say that? Because Hebrews eleven six says, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The Lord Jesus, let's continue and see another example. This is the reason the scriptures were written so that we may learn, be encouraged by what was written. He gives us another example of persevering faith and persevering prayer in the Gospel of St. Luke in the 18th chapter. 
Let's look at it. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, There was a certain uh, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regarded men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, this parable was given to help those of us who give up too soon on our prayers, who get discouraged in our faith when they face opposition and even denial to the requests. And Jesus wants us to learn from this woman's persistence, the perseverance in the face of opposition, in the face of denial, and somehow break the devil's opposition and resistance. Remember, there is an adversary. The Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers of the darkness of this world. And all these uh, wicked spirits do, they oppose and resist us from obtaining what God promised us. Therefore, we need to fight the good fight of faith and stand firm in our faith, believing God, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what is seen, regardless of what is felt, trusting God and not moving away from what he promised. So this is what the Lord wants us to learn. Jesus said in this parable, listen, he said, hear what the unjust judge said. What does the Lord wants us to hear or learn here from this parable? He compares the wicked judge with a loving Heavenly Father. And he says, if this wicked judge, who didn't fear God, he did not have any regard for man, gave in to this woman's persistence, how much more our loving, our merciful, and kind Heavenly Father will hear and vindicate us in our hour of need. Even though, he says, sometimes he bears long with us in order to strengthen our faith and our level of endurance. Jesus ends this parable by asking a question. Will the Son of Man find such faith that endures when he returns to the earth? And our answer should be, and will be, yes, Lord, you will find such faith in us. Many in the body of Christ today have become weary 
They have become discouraged. Many are offended. They have grown cold towards the things of God as a result of the lawlessness that abounds in our present world. Jesus spoke about this time that we're living in right now in Matthew 24. And verse 12, he said, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We constantly live and walk in an atmosphere that promotes violence, lawlessness, in a world that hates and persecutes what is godly and honorable. It is an atmosphere that erodes our faith and our value system. And let me tell you this, it takes real and genuine faith to stand against such and persevere in the face of such contradictions. And some of us may be facing today contradictory circumstances, even though we prayed, even though we believed, even though we fasted, but nothing in the natural realm shows that anything has changed. Perhaps things got even worse rather than better. Well, let me ask you a question. What do we do under such circumstances? How do we respond to the promises of God and to the situation we find ourselves when things such as that are surrounding us? How do we respond to the promises that God made to us? Do we give up and walk away from what was promised and say, well, this doesn't work for me, Pastor. I've tried it, but it's not working. Do we say that the promise was not meant for me? Maybe God has the power to heal, but does he want to heal me? Does he want to bless me? Does he want to answer my prayer? Maybe it's not his will. A thousand times no. When having done all the Bible says, stand. Stand on what? Stand on his promise. When you've done everything you know, when you prayed, when you fasted, when you stood, keep standing on that promise, keep declaring it, keep believing it, until no matter what opposition you face, contradiction, no matter what your physical senses tell you, look to Jesus and keep your eyes upon Jesus and declare the word. I believe that God's word is truth. I believe that his word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that which he pleases and it will prosper in the thing which he sends it. What do we do? I'll tell you what I do. I go to the scriptures. I go to my prayer closet. And I take courage from those who have gone before me, who endured many contradictions, and yet they have never given up believing and trusting God to fulfill his promises. I've had a promise from God take 25 years before it was materialized. This is the reason the book of Hebrews instructs us 
not to become, he says, sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. As we draw near to God in prayer and his word, he, the Bible says, draws near to us and infuses us with new strength and perseverance. In other words, he charges our spiritual batteries. He renews our strength daily. And one thing, one more, he teaches us valuable lessons that shapes our character in times of hardship and testing. We learn to hear his voice. We learn to follow his guidance, which is far more important to him than seeing the manifestation of his promises. And when we learn what we need to learn, and when we develop what needs to be developed, he showers us with answers to our prayers. And he rewards our faith and endurance richly, giving us far more than what we asked or imagined. This is the God we serve. The one and only who is more concerned, I believe, about developing our faith and our character than providing us with comfort and ease. No one grows in faith when things are going well and there's no need to exercise our faith for anything. We only grow when we are thrown into situations that requires us to believe God and to trust wholly His Word. To trust Him above our physical senses. To trust Him above our logic. Deny the dictates of our flesh whether we are believing God for ourselves or whether we are standing in faith for a loved one. It is no wonder that the Apostle James says to us, to rejoice, he says, my brethren, to be glad when you find yourselves in such trying and testing situations. For in such, he says, our faith is tested and proven and our patience is developed making us complete, lacking nothing. And so in closing today, I want to encourage you, never give up on the promise of God, no matter how long it takes. Never stagger in your faith. And when you feel you are slipping, call on someone whom you know is able to encourage you and pull you up from what pulls you down. And this is something that many believers don't do to the detriment. When Peter saw the waves and the boisterous wind, he took his eyes off of the Lord Jesus and remember what happened? He began to sink. And that's when he cried out and said, Lord, help me. And Jesus reached out, the Bible says, and pulled him up out of the water. All of us, no matter how strong our faith is, from time to time we take our eyes off of the Word, off of the Lord Jesus, off of the promises. Why? Because the natural circumstances around us seem to be speaking louder and louder than any promise. 
our flesh rebels and our flesh talks to us and sometimes very loud. This is the time when we should reach out and call someone for help. Someone you know can help you. Someone who is more mature than you are in the faith. Someone who has walked the road. There is nothing to be ashamed of by seeking help in your hour of desperation. All of us come to that place from time to time. And this is the reason, folks, God placed us in a spiritual family so that we are not standing alone in this. Help is available when we need it, but it's only active when you reach out and ask for it. How would anyone know what you are going through if you remain silent and cry on your own, try to fight it on your own? How would anyone know? I agree. Sometimes God shows us things about people we pray for, and this happens to me many times, but most times he remains silent. Why? Because he wants you to reach out and call for help. And when you do, you will find that God will work through that person you called and will encourage you in your faith and will pull you up from the waters that are drowning you. And that is a fact. We all need one another. We all need each other. That's why God placed us in a family. Amen? Are you still out there? I trust you've been encouraged. I know as I was studying these um, wonderful uh, pictures that the scripture gives us, my faith was encouraged. My resolve was strengthened. And I wanted to strengthen you in your faith, in your resolve, not to give up, not to go back, but to stand firm and say to the Lord, I will not be denied, Lord. Why? Because you promised it. I'm standing on your word. And if I go down, your word has to go down first. And that's the kind of faith that God honors. You will see over and over again in the Gospels how many times the Lord Jesus said to individuals that were seeking help and deliverance or healing, your faith has made you whole. Go your way, and as you have believed, let it be done unto you. This is the law of the Bible. According to your faith, be it done unto you. What do you believe? What are you saying with your mouth? God will honor your faith if you remain and endure through contradiction and through persecution and through opposition, you continue to stand on what he promised you. Every promise in the Bible belongs to you because it was purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is yours. It is yours to take. It is yours to enjoy. It is yours to walk in. But you're going to have to believe for it. Nothing is impossible, Jesus said, to them that believe. Nothing. And today we're going to receive communion. The bread 
and the wine. These are the emblems of the new covenant, a covenant that Jesus made with God that cannot be broken. Neither one can break that covenant. And we are in Christ. This is the covenant. Jesus said, this is my blood which is sealing the new covenant. His body was broken so that your body may be restored, healed, and delivered from any sickness, every disease. He took it upon his own body. Jesus himself, the Bible says, took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. If he took them, if he bore them, I refuse to bear them. God wants such faith, such resistance. I will not accept it. I will not acknowledge it. So many people talk about the sicknesses was something precious. My arthritis, my this, my that. Why do you lay hold on something that you were delivered from? Rather say, by his stripes, I was healed. And if I was, then I am. Because scripture says, Matthew 8, 17, himself took our infirmities and himself bore our sicknesses. Psalm 103, verse 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all of your diseases, who renews your strength and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. When your children get sick, get mad at the devil. Rebuke him. Teach your children to resist even from a young age. This is the promise of God. And so as we come to the table of the Lord, we see the cup, the wine, the bread. And these are the emblems of God's eternal covenant that he made with Jesus Christ and with us through Christ the Lord. And when Jesus took the bread, he said, he gave thanks, he broke it. And he said, take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. The body of the Lord was broken so that ours may be restored. The blood was shed so that we might be forgiven. So let's give thanks to the Lord tonight. Father, we see the bread that reminds us of what you endured, what you suffered. You were willing to receive stripes. You were willing to be bled. Your body was broken and striped so that ours today might be healed and totally restored. I rebuke in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth every spirit of infirmity from my spiritual family. Every sickness, every disease, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. They have no right to exist and dwell in the body of Christ. And Lord, as we partake, we believe that your words are true, that the stripes you received was for our sake. And we thank you for divine health and healing today in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we lift the cup up. And we are reminded of your holy and unblemished blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you that you have displayed 
and express so much love for each and every one of us, loving us enough to lay down your life for us. We thank you for this great love and we thank you for your shed blood that cleansed us and washed us from our sins, past, present, and future, in Jesus' name. We thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.